so Mike, um, who are we speaking? It's good to be back, by the way. This is our first podcast in a really, really long time, and it took a global pandem- pandemic for us to uh, get back on the horse. So um, who are we speaking to today? So we've lined up Jess Scully, who is the City of Sydney Council, and I think our Deputy Lord Mayor currently, uh, no less. So she's uh, been at the city for a number of years. I was keen to get her on because along with Jess Miller, who had on the Back House podcast uh, some time ago, been an advocate for the sector, basically. Uh, most evidenced by the late night DCP, which uh, got approved uh, some time ago, uh, basically wanted to encourage nightlife in Sydney, which is why we're mates. And I thought, given that the city is under lockdown, that she'd be up to some mischief, good mischief in terms of helping businesses out. So that was the reason for getting her on. Yeah, cool. And we'll probably just preface the recording with a sound quality, potential sound quality warning because we're both on Zoom. We're all on Zoom. I'm sitting in a garage in a windstorm, which is horrendous. So um, fingers crossed it isn't too bad for our listeners, but let's get into the chat. Sounds good. Well, welcome, Jess Scully, to the Back of House podcast. Thank you for making your time available to myself and Luke on a warm Easter Saturday afternoon. How is your isolation going? It's uh, different for all of us. What have you been up to? Um, it's, you know what, it's, there's upsides. Like, it's quite nice not feeling like you have to rush to 100 different events. I guess that's the one upside. Um, and the other upside is that my husband's really getting into baking. So that's pretty good. Um, but it is, it is really strange and you it's a bit of a heartbreaking experience. Like every time we go out for a walk and we see our like local cafes and chat to people and everyone's having a really hard time out there. So it, it kind of teeters between things being really nice in the little bubble and then very, um, hard and heartbreaking when you go out on the street. So we are, uh, as you know, mainly listened to by people in the hospitality sector. So I think what we were hoping to do today is to, I guess, discuss uh, what the impact of COVID has been on uh, the hospitality sector generally. And then in your role at the City of Sydney, we thought it might be opportune to have you talk to our audience about what uh, you guys are doing, what you're thinking uh, a plan is, what relief's available, things of that nature. Um, I mean, it, it's on this podcast that Luke's been putting out the last few weeks, we've interviewed a number of people, or he's interviewed a number of people, and we all know the horror story that the physical distancing, while no one's objecting to the concept, um, it hasn't, the pain of that hasn't fallen equally on all aspects of society in, in, in terms of immediacy. And so, Many of our hospitality friends, which we think sort of characterise or make the city a great place to be, are really hurting right at the moment. So, uh, with that kind of way of introduction, uh, what 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 specifically is the city of Sydney doing at the moment um, uh, to help hospitality in particular? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think our nightlife sector, so with the restaurants, bars, venues. Um, and the creative industries have been suffering in Sydney for the past five years already with the lockouts and it kind of felt like there was a light at the end of the tunnel and things were about to get better and then this happened and, um, you know, it's really devastating um, for, for people's morale and also I know a lot of um, hospital businesses are running on really tight margins so there's just not room to have a few weeks or 
you know, possible months without any income. Um, and the other thing that we're really experiencing or hearing from people is that um, a lot of the workers who, you know, people are really close to, they care about their workforce and they're not covered at all um, by job seeker, job keeper, um, people who are on um, on visas of different kinds, people who are casual workers, you know, we have a really casualised workforce in the creative sector and in the hospital sector. And so they're not at all supported. And so you're right, it hasn't fallen evenly I'm furious that the um, creative sector and the arts sector as well haven't really received $27 million of support is just kind of laughable. Um, so I think our best bet for those industries is um, from local and state government. I'm, I'm glad that the state government has come to the party and they have that um, $750 million fund for small businesses. They're $10,000 grants to help cover overheads. I think they're a really good first port of call. Um, the second thing is what local government's doing. And the City of Sydney, we're in a really fortunate position um, in that we're able to dip into our reserves and um, offer some cash support. Um, so we've just announced $8.5 million worth of grants. They opened on Monday um, and they're going. Their, their applications are open until the 20th of April um, for most of these grants. Uh, so the ones that are most relevant to um, nightlife and entertainment hospitality businesses are the small business grants. So they're uh, $10,000 or up to $10,000 grants. Really, you can tell us what you're going to do with them, um, but the idea is it's about helping people adapt their operations so that they can continue during the crisis or that they can prepare for their return. So if you have been one of those businesses that's just been told you have to close and there's no way that you can adapt or turn to takeaway or anything else, maybe you can um, do some professional development and get a grant for that. Maybe you can work with a business coach and get a grant for, for doing that work within your business. Um, that's hopefully going to help you in the long run. Um, but if you need to pay your utilities and your rent, then you probably need to get one of those state government grants as well. Um, then there's a few other grants that um, could be complementary to, to the small business grant. Um, I'm thinking of the um, creative fellowships. So that's where, for example, you might be working with a, a group of musicians or a curator or, um, you know, someone who's designing entertainment for your for your um business and you might be able to work with them and help them secure um, one of these grants so that they can develop a program up to present when you open up again. Um, and then there's also the quick response grants. So, so the ones I've just described, um, those are the ones you have to get your application in by the 27th of April. But the quick response grants are up to five grand for small-scale programs. So that could be, again, presenting performances, um, shifting online, you know, they're more community-focused as well. And, and those are just going to be a rolling fund until we spend all the money. Um, so I guess one of the things that we're seeing, particularly because the state government allowed takeaway uh, for, uh, from cafes, restaurants, bars um, recently, is I think the bars and bars in particular having a go at delivery, cocktails and things, and and e-commerce. So if I'm reading you right, the small business grant that that City's offering might be something they could look into uh, to part subsidise or help with funding of development of that business model. Would that be fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The other thing that um, 
isn't a cash support but might be useful is something we've established called the business concierge. Basically, it's a person you can talk to who can explain what you're eligible for at a state, local and federal level. And, you know, sometimes my eyes glaze over when I read these websites full of information and it just helps you to talk to a person you can explain your circumstance to and they can say, hey, have you thought of this one? Have you checked this out? You know, this one closes on that date. Um, There's a phone number um, which is... um, uh, 92659 um, or email cityconcierge at And what we've done is we've reallocated a whole lot of staff who were doing other work that were working in grants or they were working in the libraries um, and who were really good at finding information. And so they're just there at the end of the line and they can provide you, you know, a, a human point of contact um, to explain some of this stuff. The... the, the- the answer to this question could very well be no, um, but uh, those grants are obviously amazing and will be um, greatly appreciated by a, a whole heap of people. Um, outside of that, I guess, are there any? Have there, has there been thought put into any additional operational um, shifts when the, the I guess businesses are allowed to reopen, for example, like the shift to takeaway and and some ch- adjustments to what is allowed and what isn't. Um, and maybe I'm thinking from a creative perspective here as well, like a lot of musicians who have been able to, unable to perform, for example. Um, but it could not; it doesn't have to be limited to that. But are there any operational changes that have been considered um, either to remain in place or to be implemented when businesses are allowed to start trading again to open up opportunities for people to go out and, and earn money? And a simple example might be just allowing people to go out and perform or allowing businesses that weren't allowed entertainment previously to have entertainment so they can some, put some musicians to work. You know what? Like the thing is everyone is just making this up as we go along. So what I reckon is, yes, I think if you come to us, um, and I would love to work with anyone who's got any good ideas. Um, so if you come to us and you say, look, you know what we actually need is this rule relaxed or we need more access to these kinds of spaces or, you know, let us know what you think's missing um, because however long this thing takes, there's going to be a recovery period I think that's going to take at least twice as long and we're going to have to change the way we operate to to accommodate it because no one knows what, what our city is going to look like and how this is going to be working in six months from now. Um, or, you know, nine months from now. So um, let's just work it out together. If you have any ideas, drop me a line. Um, I think we're really flexible and really open. Our, our number one constraint would be what's safe um, and then and, and what are the state requirements on planning and things like that. But we can always advocate up the chain if there are some planning rules that are holding us back. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really open to ideas. Yeah, I think that, and Luke has got a better take on this than me, but for many people, I think it's all happened very quickly and the crisis of trying to manage the business through shutdown uh, is now coming to a conclusion uh, for some. Uh, JobKeeper and accessing it is on the minds. We're, with uh, the Nighttime Ministries Association and the campaign we're running at the moment, we're trying to get greater awareness around just the cash flow problems that is facing hospitality businesses in particular because many of them, can't won't be able around to access the job keeper. So there'll be a number of people 
who miss out uh, and because that nexus doesn't exist, uh, the way the government, the federal government is, is looking to administer that scheme. So um, there's, I guess, we, we're all conscious of the number of uh, problems there are and I guess the work that the city's doing and the governments are doing is you just got to try and make the best out of what's available and and keep the feedback loop coming in so that decision makers can adjust and I think that most people uh, who work in hospitality in Sydney would have a awareness that both um, you and, and Jess Miller are pretty instrumental in getting that late night DCP up, which I hope we can take advantage of at some point. <laughs> but but part, but it is really important, uh, I think, for the sector to try and speak up and, and hit, hit you up with uh, ideas, really. And, and you know, the more people that speak up, the better, we'll, the better um, uh, measures we'll, we'll end up getting. Um, totally. I mean, this is the thing. Like most politicians, I think, are so far from this, um, from this sector, that um, through no fault of their own, they're just, you know, 35 years older than than anyone who's probably working in nightlife. And and it's, and it's and also there's a lot of innovation in these sectors, a lot's changed. Um, and so they're just not thinking about um, nightlife, creative, the creative sector, hospitality, entertainment. Um, it just doesn't feature on their radar. Um, if we give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, that they just haven't thought about it. Um, and, and there are other things where I think they've drawn a line in a really um, unfair way, particularly when it comes to people who are here paying tax and working and are really driving so many industries and are getting no support, like being left to the walls. It's completely um, inhumane. Um, so all we can do is gather feedback from people who are living this and then channel it in the right way and make the changes we can at our level but also advocate up. And, you know, in the state government, um, Alex Greenwich is such a, a strong member for the Sydney, um, you know, for the member for Sydney, and he's got some really great stuff in, like the takeaway um, changes to the liquor licensing laws. So he's a really great person, or feedback I can to him. Um, and then, you know, federally we just have to keep pushing as well. Well, I mean, I think Luke's question touched on it, and perhaps this is one for us, Luke, you know, to try and galvanise the sector at the moment, just to, because in the advocacy work that I do, we know that the governments are listening at the moment in a way that they were a bit deaf two years ago and were forced to listen a year ago, and now now everyone's up for ideas, really, and it's a bit of a, a clean slate, so... It's things like uh, yeah, the, the bottle cocktail delivery, as an example, may not make a massive difference to someone's business today, but when the thing starts coming back, it's a revenue stream that wouldn't have been there had not this change gone through. So there's a whole bunch of other things that I think um, the sector can think about in terms of what's been bugging me and 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 then, as Jess is suggesting, you know, run it at whichever level of government um, is is the right the right one. To, to do so um so i don't know what that looks like but it is it is things like noise complaints and um you know, you know other other bugbears one of the things uh, i'd be interested to get your views on jess is can we have another shot at getting lockout rid of gone altogether now because it's like well there's no one out anyway and you know the change in going out habits we're likely to see following this um you know will mean that that 12 month review period will come up and I imagine the statistics are going to look brilliant because there just won't have been, you know, anyone out. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about those types of 
bigger changes that we might be able to make to, you know, better calibrate the the city. Um, I, I totally agree. And I know Alex, is, um, Alex Greenwich is really thinking about that in King's Cross and, you know, um, all those businesses in King's Cross are going to need, you know, one of the best supports they're going to get, I think, is if the lockouts are rolled back there. Um, so that they have, a, they have a fighting chance when people can go back out again, absolutely. Um, and I'm a little bit heartbroken, you know, that with the timing-wise, if we were really close um, to um, to seeing um, some really innovative noise um, changes coming in from the City of Sydney that we've been working on for years um, and the Nightlife panel um, have been contributing so much feedback and been really focused on, you know, how do we change the way noise complaints are managed so that we protect the venues that we have um, and make sure that when people move into an area, they appreciate that that's the character of that area and they have to, you know, if they're building an apartment building, they've got to mitigate the sound um, issues, for example. So that was like just about to to um, come out, um, but obviously everything's being pushed back for the moment. Um, but I'm really hopeful that we'll see that in the next year. Um, we've just got to try and pull out all the stops now. Um, and things things that have been taking, I mean, on the positive side, things that have been taking a really long time are happening so quickly now. Um, and I think everyone knows that they have to work double time to try and protect this sector. Um, because if you think about what we're really missing right now, um, everyone's, <laughs> everyone is feeling feeling the absence of nightlife and hospitality at the moment and um, and I, I think people are going to hear it loud and clear and, and I hope um, as an upside that businesses and, and set industry orgs like yours are going to be able to galvanise support from people and have a really strong case to make to say, hang on a minute, remember what life was like when we didn't have when we couldn't go out, um, let's not go back to that. Is, is your focus broader than just um, hospitality? Would you want to? Would you mind just elaborating for people who who don't know and listen, listeners? Obviously, I guess because yeah. the scope of what you're looking at would, I, I assume, is much broader. And um, you know, if you think about having, we're just talking about hospitality and reopening venues. Your focus is reopening a, a city, a busy city right so um i guess there are implications that we haven't even thought of or a lot of people just aren't privy to so would you, would you mind just elaborating what it is you're kind of thinking on on a daily basis absolutely um i mean service in the service sector basically you know 80 percent of the australian economy is the service sector so everything from hairdressers and personal trainers um to you know um Obviously, hospitality, retail is, has really copped it um, significantly. Um, one of the sort of perverse things about the way that we haven't really got a proper shot, shutdown is that a lot of these businesses are being told, well, you're not closed, you're a central service, you can stay open, um, but there's no one on the street. They have zero customers. So for a lot of them, people have been, you know, I, I've been talking to people over the past month and they're saying, we just want to be shut down. Um, because then we can access a whole lot of support and we, otherwise we can't get um, and there's no certainty for us. Um, and there are people who are operating businesses in big shopping centres, for example, where they're not allowed to shut down. Um, and so they have, and, and some of them are being given zero rent relief. Um, and so, you know, like, and those rents are extraordinary. So I really feel for those retailers in particular 
Then there are whole sectors that no one has been talking about, like co-working, for example. Um, you know, co-working is just really like on on the up um, over the last six years or so. Um, and and I've met with some people who have said, you know, they think that we're offices and that we can keep working, but we're more like a restaurant in that we have people coming in from you know hourly, daily, weekly, monthly, um, and it's empty. There's nothing we can do. So they have had no support, um, and they're trying to find ways to maintain a connection with their members um, that I think is really thoughtful and, and caring. But, you know, what happens to that entire sector, which we actually do need, um, it's a really important important business sector for the future economy. And then the other, I mean, the sector that I'm closest to, I suppose, is the arts and creative industries. And everyone I know who works in film and TV, who works in theatre and festivals, events, um, puts on gigs, tours bands instantly they were, they were the first one to lose their entire year of work um and they have got nothing no support whatsoever um and you know i worked in festival for 10 years and we were kind of contractors um who, who, who worked for like six to 12 months you know six to nine months maybe if you were lucky or three months on different gigs there was no sort of obvious regular pattern where you look back and go oh March last year, I was employed as a twelve month, on a twelve month basis, for example. Like, so, there are whole sectors that are really important to the bigger ecosystem of what makes um, culture work in this country that have just been left by the wayside. Um, how how people are going to pick up um, when they can't get they can't get JobKeeper? Um, some of them will be struggling to get some of the business support um, if they're not set up as a company. Um, that's a real worry. Uh, so I, I should mention as well that one of our grants um, that I didn't mention earlier, which is the Cultural Sector Resilience Grant, is set up for not-for-profits and for sole traders. Um, and I think sole traders are really copying it. So you can get one of those grants if you're a sole trader of up to $10,000. Um, and so that could be a creative producer, someone who puts on a festival, a music venue, um, you know, people who are running studios and cultural spaces, or if you're a not-for-profit, you can get up to $20,000 as well. Um, of course, these are all in the city of Sydney, so unfortunately not everyone can access them, but um, that's a big concern for me. Like the, the creative sector is um, has, was the first to lose out and unfortunately has not received very much support. I think that the one observation I would have is that and I'd recommend to anyone listening to really call up this business concierge service that you guys have created because um, I've, you know, going about applying for grants is not necessarily straightforward if you haven't done it before and and understanding where you can fit and what not to waste time on um, and what to focus on um, is, uh, is is highly useful. So that, that's a great idea. Um, um, so we, if we can link to that, it would be good to, to sort of direct people to that. One of the things we've, seen though i guess uh on a positive note is that because we are at ground zero there's just conversations happening between people who would not normally be talking to each other going okay well how can we look at um a better future and and one of the earlier episodes on this uh paul short who is one of the keystone guys and now has i'm going to get it wrong is it the prince of york is it i think the yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. they've got that little that truck that's right, you know, yeah. and and the the good thing is that it's a real opportunity for us to re-examine 
everything and and look for innovation and and, and a better way of, better way of doing things. And one thing I could say is that even with the lens of the Nighttime Industries Association, what we've found is that the the our ability to work with more closely with the creative industries and the music sector uh, is 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 going to happen as a part of this because I think that you're quite right. The event sector, the artists, museums was kind of hit first. Hospitality very close second, and you know further and further down the line and into the supply chain now. And uh, we're seeing, I think, a coalescing of creativity. Really, is how I describe all of this. So, a lot of uh, the venues that we're talking about or, or come to mind, uh, you, know, you can look at them as hospitality businesses, but these are the people that have been innovating for years. You know, so around low alcohol drinks and you know new delivery methods or whatever it is. So, I think um, that that if we can get it right, this is what you'd have to back if. You know, it's probably a better time than ever to get the city's vision like um, up and out there um, and hopefully we can work with the state government to kind of, you know, get, pull away the, <laughs> the impediments, the impediments to, um, uh, that, that may have restricted in the past. And I could be setting you up for a question here. So, you know, um, any views on the um, recent resignation of the Arts Minister? <laughs> oh, mate, look. I actually, I, I think it's a shame because, um, look, he was obviously doing the wrong thing, but he he was really passionate about the arts, like um, poor old Don. And um, I, I think it's a real shame um, that we've lost him. Like, I didn't agree with, like, 25% of what he was doing, like, but, um, but you know, he really cared um, about the arts. So, oh, damn. I mean... Downside to having a holiday house, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, look, I think on the point you were making earlier about working together, the, the, I'm one of those people that makes sense of things by talking them through with people. Um, what I would do if I was applying for one of these grants is get like six people together and just do a Zoom call or whatever and just work through it together and and see what comes up. Um, and, and you might say, oh, you know what, we'll apply for the small business grant and then you guys, you know, you might be talking to a creative producer or, or like someone, who, a booker who organises gigs and they might be a sole trader and they might say, you know what, we'll apply for the cultural sector resilience grant to program content for your business, you know, for summer, let's say. Um, and then we'll also get these musos or, you know, visual artists. They'll apply for the creative fellowships and we'll design this program together in this downtime and all apply um, mm. for for the grants. And you know what? Somebody in that chain is going to get it. And just by talking to each other, you'll throw ideas up. Like it, it breaks my heart that everybody would be sitting there trying to nut this out by themselves, um, whereas if, if it was normal life, you might have a meeting with someone with a bunch of people and just work it out together so just set up a bunch of calls do it this week um because you know we've, we've got until the 27th of april to apply 
um, and just throw some ideas around. Like there's a bunch of clever people I know, um, you know, in Surrey Hills who are like, okay, how do we get people excited about retail? What do we do? How do we appeal to people when they don't get that that trade-off of you go into the place and walk out with a shiny bag and then put it on and put it on Instagram, you know? So how do we solve that problem together? Um, I want to see the entertainment and hospital industry do that too. And if, you know, you guys can come up with some really creative stuff, um, particularly if you bring musicians, artists, directors, performers, filmmakers, like everyone sitting around waiting for something to turn their minds to. Um, so just, just, just have a few chats, I think, and work and then call the business concierge with a bunch of questions that you might have cooked up um, on the call with all of you and get them answered and share the knowledge. Uh, I might be playing devil's advocate here then it's not necessarily my intention but um have you seen examples of uh, i guess applications that have come through that have been successful thus far or you've thought of good ideas i think that some of the challenge for individuals might be coming up with ideas that and they don't know what market you know what restrictions will be in place what they can and can't do for example um so that that could be quite a challenging proposition so if you've seen anything that come through that you've thought is easy to approve whether there's restrictions or not for example that could be helpful so um, i'm quite far from that part of the process because i so um, i'm a, a counselor so i'm in an elected position so it'll be my job to sign off on the grants when they're selected so i can't really have any involvement in them so for all i what i have seen though is people before the grants open suggesting things that they might do together. Um, and then the other thing is when this was all being um, fine-tuned, the Nightlife and Creative Sector Advisory Panel, so there's a whole bunch of great people who run a whole lot of venues and who've gone um, through a bunch of these around and they played devil's advocate and they said people aren't going to go for this, they're not going to go for that, they'll be worried about this. They said people are going to look at this and think, it's too complicated or we're going to ask, we're asking them to spend money on capital works um, when things are really, uns- uh, you know, insecure at the moment. Nobody's got time to, you know, put in a DA. What, what we mean when it says capital in there is you might buy, be asking to buy a piece of equipment that might be useful for you in the long term, like a coffee machine or, or whatever it's going to be that might work for this new delivery model that you're taking. Um so think about capital in a different way. Think about making an investment in, in um, equipment, I suppose, um, for your business. That might be helpful. Um, or think about things that you can you can put in there that don't require a DA that you might need a, a burst of cash for. Um, also think about um, improving your, I guess, capacity to do different things. So um, one of my friends suggested, for example, that venues could um, apply to, to send their staff um, to do like disability competency training, for example, um, so that by the time everyone comes back, they can say, look, actually, we've, we've done all this training and people are much more skilled at what they're doing. Um, people might apply to go and do like, you know, a mixology course or, um, you know, a, a way to skill up and, and stay connected with the staff that you can stay connected with. Um, and it might even be a way of helping out those people who um have been left without an income um, in terms of giving them some support to keep working. But rather than being front of house staff, what they're doing is doing professional development and training and you know that you're going to be able to draw on that in the future. So look, but, but bounce ideas around with each other and think that 
what the, the way that we're, we're approaching this at the city is that we want you to succeed. Um, we're not trying to make this um, as difficult as we can and we want to spend all the money. Um, so, it's a good combination. So, yeah. So, look, obviously we have to be accountable and make sure that the right things are going on and that we can see an outcome that's productive. Um, but I think the key thing we want is for businesses to know that we're with, there with them and want them to develop their capacity for when they come back um, and that we want them to spend that money in the local economy is the other really key thing. So if you say to us, I'm going to take this money and I'm going to spend it on buying this new shelving from that company down the road and I'm going to spend the rest of it on training those three people to get better at, you know, managing conflict in our organisation that by, by, getting, by paying this other consultant who's in the local area, we love that, tick, 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 yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier that things are obviously moving pretty quickly and uh, I guess everyone's just trying to, to keep up. Um, Mike just said the word vision um, and in reference to the city, I guess, releasing its or communicating its vision, um, how far ahead are you able to think at the moment um, I guess collectively about vision and and relevant obviously to our current circumstance because you would have a fair bit of understanding obviously around what life is going to be like for businesses given the restrictions that are going to be in place for call it twelve months. Um, are, are you, are, how far advanced uh, yeah. are you in that thinking? Do you know um, just before this all went down, like we we've been working across eighteen months on. Sustainable Sydney 2050, which is like a long-term strategic plan, like what are we doing over the next 10 years? Um, and so the city is really good at doing that work. And, and a lot of the bones are still there, right? Like we want to be sustainable, we want to be like accountable, have good sort of connections, be resilient. All that stuff is totally true. We want to prioritise pedestrians. We want an active nightlife. That is one of our number one priorities. The thing that's changed, I think, is that, we're all about to get really local, like in a way that maybe we've never have imagined before. Like, because even when this is over, I think it's unlikely that the airports are going to be thrown open and we're going to be travelling as much as we used to. So, like, and Sydney siders travel like crazy. And how do we, what does fun look like when we're not going overseas as much, when we're not going down to other parts of the country as much, you know, um, when we've got to make our own fun in the places that we like living. Um, I think it could be a real boon for local business and for the local nightlife. Um, and figuring out what that alternative offering looks like when um, when people are at home and trying to make their fun this place, I think it's something we're going to have to incorporate into that vision. And we've always described ourselves as green, global, and connected. Um, and, and I think the thing we were going to add to that um, was probably going to be fair because another thing that's really come through in all the consultation and the conversation is we're increasingly feeling like we're being, it, it, there's winners and losers and we don't want winners and losers. We want everyone in Sydney to, to feel like um, this city is for them, right, and that they're included. Um, and so how do we build in a sense of community, fairness um, and a genuine local connection um, and how do we make people feel, help people feel that they're not missing out because they're staying close to home um, and how do you like, explore and discover and fall back in love with your own city um, and 
Uh, and what does it mean? Like, how, how do we do that in a way that, um, you know, you, you actually feel excited about this place again? And you know what? I reckon after a couple of weeks or months of being stuck in our living rooms, we are going to be very excited about the other three p.m. But how do we spread that love? And the other thing is, I don't know about you guys, but like we can be very territorial or tribal in terms of the places we go out in Sydney. And I can imagine on the other side of this, like I'm going to be going on like excursions to Manly like I've never gone before, you know, or like journeys to other parts of town that I probably, you know, didn't visit that much. Um, and maybe this will help us fall back in love with different parts of our city. So we're still doing the work. I think we have to go from having this like extremely long-term, very global, very big picture, picture of the city down to something that is much more local, intimate um, and thinking about how we can appreciate the small stuff. It's probably the big shift. I think that's about to happen. Exciting. So um, I think that is wonderful, Jess. So I think we'd like to thank you on behalf of ourselves, our listeners, uh, because you know, you've just been such a stalwart of advocacy in this area within council and interstate, creativity generally, and and uh, and, and that's really appreciated. Um, there's a bunch of grants available, small business grant, cultural sector, resilience grant, creative fellowships fund, community services grant, quick response grant. Some of the key points that, to, to tease out are, one, um, get together and brainstorm, like come up with ideas. Um, see if do, it money, fast, do it now do it, fast, do it today um, see whether your plans can sort of um, be reinjected into spending locally and yeah 27th of April is the deadline and the business concierge number is 9265 email address cityconcierge at cityofsydney.newsouthwales.gov.au um, thanks very much for your time and thanks, uh, we look forward to speaking again Total pleasure. See you guys. See you later. Bye.